Well, hello. I'm Lainey, also known as Electro Girl, and I'm an advocate for empowering people to get back in the driver's seat of their diagnosis. See, I was diagnosed with epilepsy 30 years ago and basically was never satisfied with hearing from a doctor that pharmaceuticals would be the only approach to controlling my seizures. I just wasn't going to take it. Out of my way, mortal. So I committed many, many years to researching and finding an answer outside of the Western medicine approach to find a more holistic approach in managing and treating my epilepsy and the seizures. The Love Your Diagnosis podcast is a show about exactly that. Each week, we will be looking into the life of someone who has been diagnosed with a condition or illness and has succeeded in managing their diagnosis both in and outside of Western medicine. Basically, what put them back in the driver's seat of their diagnosis. So hang around with me while we explore living in and outside the medical square when it comes to loving your diagnosis. Well, 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 what an episode you are in for today. Very sciencey based this one, so really good for you folk that know about biology and stuff like that. And for you people that don't, then you're going to learn a few things about organisms and cells and infections and stuff like that. I have today a lady called Elizabeth Harris, who was diagnosed with CRPS, which is chronic regional pain syndrome. But initially it was RSD, which is reflex sympathetic dystrophy. She also has a son who was diagnosed with PANS or PANDAS. PANS is Pediatric Acute Onset Neuropsychiatric Syndrome. So this lady has a lot on her hands is uh, what the moral of the story is. Basically, it's a neurological disorder, what she has, the regional pain syndrome, that, which they call the suicide disease, which has no cure or limited treatments until Elizabeth went deep into trying to find answers to what the hell was causing her regional pain syndrome. And it turns out the same thing that was causing her regional pain syndrome was ca- causing her son's pandas. And she has devoted her life to now helping people with any condition that they can't find answers to. So listen to this because Elizabeth believes that all illness comes from an infection in your tissues, your body which leads to the inflammation. A fascinating side note to what we're hearing out there and really interesting to take on board. I hope you enjoy it. We have Elizabeth Harris on the call with us. Hi, Elizabeth. Hi, Lainey. How are you doing today? I am spectacular. I've been so interested to meet with you. We've had a little bit of email conversation, but so interested to hear your story and go deeper into what actually it is that you're uh, dealing with and for your son personally, long, long journey. So I'm going to get you to just frame it out by basically saying, what were you diagnosed? We'll talk about you first and then we'll get to your son after that. Is that okay? Absolutely. And you know, it's so interesting when I got the um, invitation because I'm working with a researcher over in Australia now. You know, and he, he's very brilliant. And um, I really appreciated the, you know, information that he's been getting over in that country because we've been comparing notes. But I was diagnosed with something called complex regional pain syndrome. 
formerly known as RSD, reflex sympathetic dystrophy, and then it morphed into this CRPS. And I'm not sure if you're familiar with that diagnosis or not. I'm not, but how long ago was that? I was probably diagnosed, I think it was around 2012 that I was actually diagnosed with it. And I mean, thankfully, I mean, we did figure out what it was, actually my plastic surgeon, because I've been to the neurologist, the rheumatologist, and it was just you know, amazing how it all worked out, but I was able to kind of keep it under control with nerve blocks and pain meds, Cymbalta, Lyrica, all of these, like so many meds, Flexril for my teeth grinding, you know, and the oddest thing was I've been very healthy for my own life. Really a shock when I learned that the progression of this particular diagnosis resulted in being basically wheelchair bound. It's called the suicide disease because it's so horrifyingly painful it feels like skin fire and where did it come from did it just pop up overnight or was it a series of things that were starting to happen that you're ignoring what was your life like before and after that diagnosis it started with kind of some numbness and maybe tingling like in my hands you know and wrists a little bit and so you're thinking carpal tunnel you know i'm grinding my teeth i'm not really putting the two together i'm under a lot of stress i own a spa And I'm a business consultant, so I'm flying all over the world and doing trade shows, lugging equipment, so I could kind of easily explain it away with all that was going on. But then in 2009, I broke my little pinky. And so the hallmark of CRPS is when you have an injury, usually it's in the peripheral of something, and it won't heal or it's just abnormally painful. So like, for instance, I never really had pain tolerance. I have both my kids natural. And so I go in and I'm just like, this is excruciating. And the doctor's basically like, oh, that's just a mallet finger. And I'm like, what is a mallet finger? You know, so anyway, this, this little break refuses to heal. And so I end up with surgery number one and a pen still doesn't heal. Then I end up with surgery number two and a fuse because after I watched that orthopedic surgeon try to pull that pin out with all his might and then my blood splatter all over his white shirt I was like okay I I don't want to do that again (laughs) you know but I do have a degree in biology and chemistry okay this is red and it is pus and I'm like that equals one thing infection you know honestly I tabled my disease because it was so like horrific because I couldn't process that And then also process what my son was dealing with at the same time. So, you know, you just table yours and you get through it. I'm dropping weight. Like I end up down at 123, normally been 136, 140, hairs falling out. Were the symptoms getting worse? Like when you say table it, you just mean you're just going to put it to the side. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Put it to the side. Ignore it. it. Well, I was on the medications, doing the nerve blocks. And so I just didn't allow myself to obsess over it just because it could have been so scary to the point where it would have distracted me from everything else. Cause I mean, I was like 36 or 39. It's like, I'm going to be in a wheelchair and, and commit suicide. And I'm like, okay, this does not look good. And honestly, it didn't make any sense. So I'll just take you back. Sorry, Elizabeth, but from a, from a pinky that's pussy and infected to a wheelchair, there's a lot of story in between there. How did you get from a pussy finger and tabling it to you know, the the symptoms of needing to be in a wheelchair and wanting to top yourself. Yeah, that's the progression. So like when you get to stage four, so this thing spreads. I notice it because on my hand, so my muscle is just like kind of wasting. 
I'm noticing that. And then something on my wrist. And then it's like, I'm noticing, I mean, over like six to nine months, it's like, it's going up my right arm. I like literally am like something is spreading in me, <laughs> you know? And the reason that it hasn't progressed is because I figured out what was spreading and we got the treatment and I no longer concerned about being in a wheelchair. Was there nothing that would have been adding? Well, actually, you, you kind of mentioned there was quite a bit of stress. You were traveling around all, all, you know, you were kind of living a life that was maybe quite active. Were you eating well? Was there anything else that would have been adding to the spread of this infection? No, I would, no, well, absolutely not because I was like in health and fitness, I was a spa owner. And so like we do body contouring, you know, weight loss for years. That was my career, personal trainer. But it, but it was very interesting when I ended up figuring out because I did go through that season, you know, where I stopped this and changed this and added this and documented it all, you know, and, um, not a thing it really made that much of a difference, which makes sense at the end of the day, when I figured out what the root was, there's really nothing I could have done, you know? And that's just the reason that I do do these shows is because I think I spent way too much time as a chiropractor at the um, dentist. I spent like all these years at the wrong place. And even when I got to the right place, they wouldn't give me the right treatment. Where was the link between when you stopped tabling it? And what, what year was that? So 2012, you tabled it. When did you actually go to a professional and go, okay, I need to, I need to really address this? Because as you said, it was a suicide disease, CRPS, chronic regional pain syndrome. Recently, I've, I had something with, the, sorry, to even, I understand what pain is like now because I had a hip replacement. So I can't imagine living constantly with pain. I feel for the people that need to do that, you know, my heart goes out to you. It, it does change your view on life. It takes the joy out of things. You've got to really work hard to every day find the joy. So, you know, take my hat off to the people that are dealing with it. It's back to you, though. What was the angle? What was the professional that you went down to get off the nerve blockers and do something about it? I was doing physical therapy three times a day. I mean, I was doing my own physical therapy. I was, I mean, I had it from the, the therapist and I just continued on that path. But honestly, my wrist just wouldn't bend. I didn't actually go to a professional that figured it out for me. I was going to a great pain management doctor. I really liked him. You know, got on great. He gave me a little bit. He knew I was scared of getting addicted. But it looked like I was going to get addicted anyway because I was going to have to become on horse tranquilizer or ketamine eventually. So I was like, let's prolong the addiction, you know. <laughs> but if it's <laughs> Because I don't, pain pills just make me feel, I don't know, angry and flat and all that. And so... The way that I found out what was causing my disease was when I came to realize what was causing my son's disease. When I found out for him, I thought just for a fleeting moment, because his symptoms were so different, could that be causing mine? And it made total sense because if there's an infection in the bloodstream that hadn't been found and then I broke my pinky and then it like entered, you know, into my nervous system, which is very, I mean, seems obvious to me. I can't believe I went to so many doctors and that wasn't like obvious, but, and I was just, I mean, I think that's the shock of the whole thing is realizing you've gone to so many doctors and it was this easy. Once I tried some antibiotics, like on day three of Zithromax, I go bend my wrist. Day three. The drug is designed what? To just kill off the bacteria in the blood system that was causing the infection. 
Yeah, well, it actually, the, yeah, the organism gets in the tissues, and that's why people with complex regional pain syndrome actually do have that particular syndrome spread, like the other leg or the shoulder, anywhere there's an injury, and they don't know why. But fibromyalgia, they usually have that, depression, chronic fatigue, all those things that come along with this syndrome or this organism. Fortunately, I wasn't getting those, but the treatment is not just short-term. It's very long-term, and you and it was really you know, a lot for me to try to understand how this thing worked after we were taught so opposite for our whole lives. Did you have to be on antibiotics for quite a while then? Years. Years. Oh, God. That's a whole story about your gut floor as well. Anyway, but we won't go into that at this stage. How did they test that the bacteria had actually, or the organism had actually died? Did they have to keep testing if it was still there? to know to keep you on the antibiotics or was it all just a bit preventative and guesswork? Well, you know, I I just, because I'm a scientist, I did want the positive diagnosis, but you know, you can get it in tissue and it's a polymerase chain reaction test. Like serology uh, results aren't really going to always be accurate, especially if it's chronic or if the physician is not looking at the IgG. And so I read all the information and research and I went into the ENT and I said, Hey, got this black spot in my throat that came up the other day. And I think, you know, what if it's cancer? I think we need a biopsy. And can you check this box on this paper and use this testing I brought in, close it up and overnight into this lab, please. <laughs> and he's like, um, well, we have a lab that we use for this. And I'm like, oh gosh, because I knew that, I don't know, I didn't trust another lab based on everything I've read. And so I'm at the grocery store an hour later and he calls me and I'm like, this is my last shot at getting a positive test. He calls me. He's like, Hey, what was the name of that lab again? That turns out the lab we use isn't, you know, that's not on their formulary. And that's what I came to learn is like this test for this organism is not on any formularies. It's not anything that they look to as causational for these things that it causes. And so that's where the conundrum is and the confusion. So what's the organism called? Well, this particular organism is, is called mycoplasma pneumonia. Now, mycoplasma pneumonia is like walking pneumonia, but this particular organism has been genetically altered or modified. And so basically there's parts of a virus in it, which is why there are some groups of people that believe HHV6 causes chronic fatigue. Some people think it's the EBV. So, but in fact, the EBV and the HHV6 is actually spliced into the genome along with the transposon that prevents this organism from being killed by a fever because um, there's bacteria that lives in volcano and it can survive really high heats. Now, all this was um, done back in the 80s and tested in one of our prison systems over here and also in the Gulf War. And so the Gulf War syndrome, the fibromyalgia, the chronic fatigue, the children with the autism, and it's just spread pretty much everywhere. So if, if people, you're saying the test isn't prevalent, if people listening to this are feeling that, that, that this might be the cause for them, can they go to a doctor and ask to be tested for this? Yes, it's not an easy path. And that's why I felt like before I did this tour that I needed to have a solution to provide people hope, you know, because it is so daunting to try to fight everyone and explain and educate when your your, your education might be in music, you know, it's not fair. And so that's why we set up the wellness company. So anybody that thinks they might should reach out and um, I'll try to walk them through the process, but we can also scan 
we have a scanner and so yeah but I mean it ends up that most of the time it's multiple organisms so your clinic's called what's wrong wellness we'll talk about that at the end though what's wrong wellness.com and you you take people from all over the world or is it just local all over the world fantastic I looked at the website it's amazing amazing the research that you've put into this living if anyone's going to have a calling it's when you're sick and yes. you come through it and go oh I've got to tell people about this yeah, yeah so absolutely so I want to get onto your son, but, but like, are you free of your diagnosis now or is it still being managed every day? Well, here's the thing is like, am I free from the RSD syndrome? I don't know, because come to find out that is like an autoimmune disease, which everyone's is. And what we do is we develop these confused antibodies to these organisms, but also to our own cells. So you can't get rid of an antibody. So it's, it's important to find out, you know, kind of what organisms are involved in the disease process, because if you're exposed to those particular organisms later in life, you can get a flare up, you know, hopefully you would know quickly what's going on and be able to, you know, squash it. So for me, especially when my son lives here and he's 22, you know, he's out and about with people. And so I try to, I mean, I stay on prophylactically just to make sure I don't contract something. Plus, I mean, I'm at, on a spa, so I'm with public all the time. I, I don't want to bring something home to him. Okay, so when you say organisms, it could be anything. It doesn't matter. It's like it's like anything that's potentially out there that could cause your immune system to flare up is an organism. Is that what you're saying? Well, and here's the thing too, is like it's, it's a misdirected immune response. So basically it's an organism that you've been carrying in your tissues, inside of your cells, chlamydia pneumonia, mycoplasma pneumonia, I mean, Lyme, Borrelia, Burgdorferia. And I mean, there's several, there's about 10 that we see most of the time, you know, and then it's teasing that out in a group A strep and group B strep you know, are key players, but they're not necessarily typically the root. It's that when you contract those two and you have the underlying, there's like exotoxins in this big war. And it's just like, you know, it's just like layers and layers. Yeah. To your point, I don't, I don't feel like I have RSD, but I know I can't get infected with those organisms. Now, if I caught Corona, for instance, I would have regular symptoms fever and all that because my body has never been exposed to that organism. And I cleared the other route so that I would have, I can have a normal immune response to that. Okay. That's incredible. So many people are going to be interested in this. There's a lot of autoimmune um, issues out there. Does it have to be a specific autoimmune disease that your clinic is helping or it's, it's just autoimmune diseases in general? Any, anything. We usually get the really tough cases like post COVID neurological stuttering, numbness, double vision, you know, cause it's an underlying something that was there. And so I get, yeah. So Parkinson, I mean, pandas, any, really anything, any psych, psychiatric, cause that's all infection too. I would say maybe there's 20%. It's not, but you know, the psych symptoms, but that's just like in, inflammation or encephalitis in the front part of the brain as opposed to the back part of the brain where you're going to see more like feeling neurological symptoms so I mean it's just it honestly the day I put it all together I feel like oh my gosh of course what else would cause disease other than infection well inflammation trauma (laughs) you know the list goes on of what other people researching stuff are it's this symbiotic relationship of yes infection 
that causes the inflammation. Right. So your that's where your stance is. The infection uh-huh. comes from the inflammation. The inflammation. And also my other stance is that it's opportunistic infection. And so we do have trauma centers, you know, in our brain. And my son ended up with PTSD, so I was able to watch all this, you know. And so these organisms, like, kind of sit, settle in to the weak parts. So if you've been through a traumatic experience, you know, then that's got a lot of energy around it. And so, I mean, I've noticed a lot of that, you know, combination. Even Dr. Garth Nicholson did recommend back in the 90s or early 2000s that the Gulf War vets with PTSD be treated with doxycycline. Which is what? An antibiotic. Right. Because of the infection. Yeah, why? What's the... Yes. Because they were infected by trauma? They're infected by the mycoplasma, which... Hang with me here. So when you have an overactive immune system, so for instance, my immune system never shuts off because it's trying to kill something that it can't get to because it's inside of my cell. So I've got this just onslaught of antibodies, just like hammering my own tissues. Now, if I had like, I don't know, some strep pneumo that was up behind my ethmoid sinus because I used to have sinus infections as a kid. Or I have it still in my eustachian tubes and it's gone dormant. You know, it it will activate any of this. We don't really know where it's going to colonize. So it could colonize in the knee and the disease could be rheumatoid arthritis. It could colonize in the kidneys. Now with the trauma, 100% agree because cortisol, and that's the very important, that's so important that you brought that up because chemotaxis is the scientific process of an organism fleeing from something that is stronger than it. For instance, a chemical in the bloodstream. So we're looking at the bloodstream and then we've got the tissue. So if we've got an increase in cortisol, which is the stress hormone, which is chemical, then what does these organisms do? Burrows away from it, flaring up the symptoms. So interesting. Okay, well, let's go to your son then. So he he has or he had PANS or PANDAS. And their acronyms, and I'll let you explain that. And how old was he when when he developed symptoms, and what were they? Well, he was um, 10, just turned 11, and he had a case of strep throat, group A strep, you know. And at this point in time, I was not knee-deep in doctors. I was knee-deep in cellulite, you know, and that's where my brain was. But, but I did remember a little bit about rheumatic fever from school. And so when um, a couple of weeks after he got strep, and it was interesting because it was in his stomach. His stomach really hurt. And so he took the treatment for that. Physical symptoms went away. But then within three days, he just literally went, I mean, you know, you had to use the word psychotic. It started with buttoning his shirt up and down, which I now know was like acute OCD, like an acute mm-hmm. onset, you know, walking back and forth against over the transition strip 27 times, had to leave with right foot, building this huge tent, like not just a tent. And then by day three, and I'm calling the doctor, like, I think something's wrong. And he's like blowing me off. But by day three, he's crouched behind the Christmas tree. You know, he can't, he thinks somebody from the outside is looking and he's never had anything like this before. He did have ADHD and some tactile sensitivities and night tears, you know, as a little child. And so like after the third day, he thought bugs were crawling on him. I called one of my colleagues and he was like, yeah, there's something really wrong. And so I called the doctor. And I explained it. He said, this sounds like an acute onset of pandas, which I didn't know what it was at the time. So I Google it, scroll down and, and learn that it's an acronym for pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorders associated with streptococcal infections. And there's only one link on it because it had just been identified 2010 in June. 
So I'm looking through it and I'm like, okay, common denominators, they all have high anti-DNA speed titers, which is odd because that's group B strap, but okay, noted. And the other thing is just that, um, you know, really there was not anything known about it. I'm thinking that it's like my child has cancer. Where's the oncologist? They didn't even know it existed or believed it. And so they brought in a psychiatrist, you know, and it wouldn't be till three years later. And I just want to encourage your listeners, it wouldn't be till three or four years later when honestly, I threw caution in the wind and went on my own because I'd been to enough doctors between the two of us, like 50 or 60. We had one that helped us the most. And then I read a bunch from that other researcher, put it all together. But I'm just going to tell you, when I ordered that full legal medical record from since he was born from his birth hospital, Every appointment, I put him in a three-ring binder, and the information that I gleaned from reading that so slowly, I was shocked. It was shocking because not only did he have group A strep when he went to the hospital, he also had pneumonia. So you kept all this medical information from the doctors, and you put all the, the pieces together from that. I didn't keep it all. I obtained it all because when I was just like, there's something missing. Like, there's a pattern here. I'm starting to see this happen. So I learned how to just call medical records and I checked the box for full legal medical record. And as they all came in the mail and on the email electronically, I printed them out, put them in binders in order. Did they not tell you he had pneumonia? They did not tell me. Oh, I see what you're getting at. So, so there's all this hidden information that was going on behind the scenes that they weren't explaining, which is great. Nutting it together. All right. So we'll get to the crux of it. You have then gone, okay, I'm going to take this on. I'm going to work out what it is. And then that's led you to finding about infection for both of you. Yeah, because like we did, I said, I just need labs. He's been on 27 psych meds, psych hospitals, detention centers. I mean, it was brutal. A solitary confinement for five weeks. Thank you, Judge Sharon Guffey, for the PTSD on top of the pandas. I mean, it was, it was just unbelievable the way that the system handled it and the lack of support. And so when we got, finally got a doctor that would run enough lab work, the only thing he had was a mycoplasma infection, which I, I mean, it was just walking pneumonia. It's not really a serious thing. And so I kind of blew it off because he also had high strep pneumotires. So only two things, high thyroid antibodies, none of that makes sense for these level of symptoms. Ultimately I did get his genetics testing done, $10,000 test. Did not have the gene for any of his diagnoses. That's really fascinating. What was involved then when you found all that out? What action did you take to actually then start to either get him off all the meds that he was on and treat the infection and treat yourself so that the symptoms disappeared? It was brutal because I didn't have any guidance, you know. I had gotten to this one point when you read the book, I think you'll think it's really great because I found this 19A superbug and I thought that was the answer. And I found this article from this Dr. Pahikari that said, the only antibiotic that can be used for this organism is Leviquin, which is flu boxes in. And it's like a, a chloroquinolone and it's like really considered kind of dangerous, I guess, because of the, I don't know, ankles and tendons popping. And so I was like, I gotta have this because he's like running cars through buildings downtown and I'll take the ruptured tendon over this. So I go into the, every time I'm trying to go to like a different hospital that they don't have records. So I tell him the story and he gives it to us. And within a week or two, I'm like, couldn't believe it. 
my son was like as normal as I'd ever seen him. Then he stopped it and the OCD started coming back immediately. Right. So is he still on antibiotics now as a treatment? Prophylactically. Now, we will touch on a little bit about how, I mean, there's so much scientific research and, and information out there about how antibiotics actually completely fucks with your gut flora and all the, the microbiome. How is that? How have you found with you and your son that it, you know, that, that you've had to restore that or has it affected you in other ways? Because it sounds like it's quite potent antibiotics that you're on. And you've both been on it for years. No. And when I came to believe with all my heart and watch over and over and over again is that the diarrhea and the abdominal bloating you get from the antibiotics is a result of the Herxheimer response, not the antibiotics like wrecking your gut. Because if you look at it logically, 74 trillion cells in our body, and 100, I don't know, 100, how many bacteria, viruses, millions, millions and millions. So every antibiotic does not, it's not just antibiotic, which is what I used to think. I need some antibiotics. No, there's penicillin, there's tetracyclines, there's there's all kinds of classes. And they don't just blanketly murder every single pathogen. They're targeted, the mechanism's different. And so it's like, you know, and even at that, it's like, you know, you don't have to go and do all of the antibiotics at once and completely flush your gut flora. You know, you just, it's low dose, you know, and it's slow and it's monitored and the activated charcoal actually like mitigated all that. Now, I mean, we were really infected. I think every cell in our body was infected because we've had it for, since 2003. And so it was just for us, there was so much Herx response and that was the science fiction of the whole thing. Now, I know what Herxing is, but can you just briefly explain what herxing is in this example? It is the fact that when you intentionally target an organism that you believe you have, if you do, and the organism begins to die, then it releases, basically, we call it poop and pee. (laughs) It's actually just like little baby cell parts of dead cells. That sounds a little gross. And so that's a foreign invader to your body because your body's almost become... I don't know, immune to the fact that that organism is in there because it's been there so long, it's kind of adapted. But once it breaks apart, then it recognizes it's foreign, launches a huge immune response. And believe it or not, practically, the longer you stay on them, every symptom you've ever had of this organism unwinds backwards. It is uncanny. It's good for people to understand herxing because when they're trying to put something back into alignment, there's all these other side effects and they get a bit nervous. I've seen it with friends of mine and myself, you know, things get have to get worse to get better, I guess, if you're going to explain it in layman's terms. So that's kind of what herxing is about, is you've got to go through that detox, that dying of whatever this organism is causing um, in order to for, you, for your body to go, oh, this is what it's supposed to feel like without that. It's insane. Yeah, it is. It is just amazing. And that's why I coach people because, like, to your point, it's very, I mean, you can, like, skip days you know, you can lower the dose, you can use charcoal, you can use Benadryl, you can use all kinds of things to mitigate those symptoms so you don't have to be like miserable. Now, there's a little bit more I want to get through. Did you have to make lifestyle changes while you were going through the antibiotics in order to sort of manage that it doesn't come back or really is it just the medicine does the work and it has nothing to do with other parts of your life? 
I mean, I'm just going to be perfectly blunt. I've been doing this for a long time now, and I have just completely 100% let go because I was the, I was the I was a personal trainer. I was the turn your calories in girl. I was the you're losing two pounds. Let's get you gain one. I mean, that was me for ten years, and now I just step back and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this isn't that wasn't it at all. That was not the right approach at all. And as I watch people get better, honestly, they start making choices their own choices better on their own, and it's just like this waiting game. Have you still got this diagnosis or, you, or you're free of it? You're just managing stuff now. Like, do you still have CRPS and does your son still technically have pandas? I don't know because, like, I didn't go back to the doctor since 2012, you know? And so it's like, do I have the symptoms that I had? No. But I will tell you this much. I think he and I got a little too high on horses because I was good for eight years. And so I kind of stopped taking the antibiotics. And I thought I'm good, you know, and so did he. He actually started stopping taking for me because he was like 21. He was like, I'm cured. I got this. And I was like, well, okay. You know, it scared me. But he caught strap, brought home, gave it to me. Boom. So we've cleared it again. So it's like, I think that was a reminder of how bad this thing hurts and how awful pandas is. <laughs> and also potentially that your immune systems are quite sensitive as well like not everyone goes out and catches strep no well that's true i mean some people don't catch it look it's it's just amazing you've written a book called what's wrong with your child which is a bestseller i believe and why wouldn't it be you've done the research you've done the work elizabeth oh my god a very good read i cannot wait to read it actually because all this is very fascinating to me if anyone listening is feeling like they want to reach out to elizabeth absolutely do it one last final question for you, though, is would you say that having this, even though it was extremely trying and it took ages and and it was pretty much nearly pushed you over the edge, would you say this is the best thing that's happened to you because of your life's purpose now? Yes. I mean, absolutely makes me tear up a little bit because it, is, it was such a hard road. And I don't know if, like, if I hadn't had every one of those trials if I would have been able to keep going but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fighter and so it just you know I mean it's not fair this is such an injustice to people that are sitting there having to live their lives chronically sick thinking it's something they've done wrong maybe they have played a role in it you know when it, when there's this whole other world of information you know and, we, and they could get better and so yes absolutely I, I'm very excited about this next season of life I do want to remind everyone that we have um, a doctor over there, Dr. Ivan Hooper, and he also can scan in Australia and that side of the world. So, yeah, we just got his computer set. I mean, we've got everything set up for him so he can scan over there and we collaborate on the results. So Incredible, incredible. So generally, if you're feeling off and you can't find an answer, hit you up. Hit me up. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Love the fact that it's so broad that and that doesn't scare you off. Just like, yeah, bring it on. Love it, love it, love it. Because so many people out there are just feeling a little bit defeated by the fact that they cannot find answers. And, yeah, after the, the last two years with, with this SARS, whatever the fuck it is, excuse me, very unladylike. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah, people are going to find that there's probably even more that they can't find answers to after these vaccinations and things like that. So... 
bless you, Elizabeth Harris, for bringing this work and all the pain and bliss that you've brought to your work and joy and frustration um, into our worlds. I honour you for that. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. Thank you so much for allowing me to share this extreme story. (laughs) Hopefully it can help so many. I really appreciate it. Take care. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. If you would like to donate to the running of this podcast and you can afford a few little bucks a month or whatever it is that you can afford to keep the show going without ads, please hit the PayPal button. And if you've got a few loose coins, that would really mean a lot to me and other people who are listening to this podcast and getting seeds of inspiration. Also, leave a review on Apple Podcasts because that just means more people will know about it. If you've got a story that you want to share that you've had success with and that you've researched and found some some joy and gold in your own diagnosis, please hit me up. I'm always happy to share anyone's story. The main takeaway message in these podcasts is get second opinions, find a doctor that you really resonate with and research the shit out of what you're going on. Get back in the driver's seat of your health, everyone. You do not need to take one person's opinion about the rest of your life and how to live it. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. I'm Lainey Godiva.